This episode is brought to you by Portland Distro. If you love underground music and movies, go to portlanddistro.com for licensed shirts, vinyl, CDs, and more. Go to portlanddistro.com. Plug in the discount code MikeHill666 for 15% off at portlanddistro.com. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. It's Mike Hill with another episode of Everything Went Black. This week, we have my dear friend, Champ Morgan. If we can take anything away in the last 15 plus months, is that friendship and family is probably the most important thing to us all. I mean, the last year or so, we've all been lonely, just desperate, filled with anxiety and fear, and having a good base of people around is crucial. Now, I don't frivolously mention this. Uh, the reason why is I consider Morgan to be one of those close friends. I've known him for, uh, man, I, I hate to even think about how many years we've known each other. And uh, we played many, many shows together, uh, stayed at his place a few times down in Texas. And I've gotten to know him really well, and he is one of the inner circle of friends that I have. And um, furthermore, I've really gotten a chance to observe his development over the years, uh, all the way back as frontman for Kill a Client. Uh, he's got some newer projects, which are awesome. Derelict Satellite, Black Ops, of course, which um, I've, I've interviewed him about that band. And most recently, Triage, which is a brutal grindcore band. And their new record was uh, just released. Now, there's supposed to be music playing underneath this, uh, but their songs are so short that we're just going to have to deal without the introduction music and uh, just my voice and on to the episode. Here we go. Check it out. Dude, right. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you the, I'm going to tell you the fucking secret right here. OK. If you go to Best Buy online. And search uh, the hot and or clearance items and then uh -huh. just put in kettlebells. Yeah. They are half the price of any other place, and the shipping is free no matter how big the fucking kettlebell is. No shit. Yeah, I got a 70-pound kettlebell for 99 bucks free shipping. Damn, that's actually really good, man. That's way cheaper <laughs> than anywhere else. I mean, yeah, I'm talking bought... like over $100 for a 70-pound kettlebell like anywhere else, like $150 or something like that probably. Oh yeah, I mean when you go to Kettlebell Kings, their their forty five pound kettlebell is a hundred and nine dollars. Yeah, and and they charge you an ass ton of fucking shipping. Oh dude, forget about it. I mean to try to like ship that, you know. I I mean I, and I understand why they would charge a lot of money to ship a a cannonball across the country. <laughs> yeah, with a fucking handle on with it. With a handle. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, dude, it's a. Uh, I didn't believe it. And my friend's like, hey, I'm going to – she's like a uh, – she used to train with me, and she's a firefighter and EMT, and she lifts all the time. And she's like, I just found this fucking crazy shit on Best Buy. And I was like, what? She was like, yeah, just go search it. And then I just – like I've been picking them up like one or two every couple of weeks off of there just building up my stock. And I'm – I got – dude, I'm, I'm training hard with big kettlebells now for fucking on the cheap, son. That's a, that's nuts, man. It's uh, yeah, because I, I think of Best Buy as an electronics place mostly, 
yeah, I mean, you, I did too. And I, I didn't believe it. And she was like, she was like, no, look it up right now. Just look it up on your phone. Cause I was at work and, uh, dude, they got like all kinds of weight benches and all kinds of shit in there. But the kettlebells are fucking half the price of anybody else in free shipping. It's only been until recently that I actually live someplace that has room where I can actually lift in my, my dwelling, you know? And, uh, so yeah, I, I got a couple of bells. I got some, uh, you know, bunch of other couple other items you know but yeah that's uh that's good to know oh yeah i'm like stocking up like trying to figure out like all right so now that shit is fucking starting to open up you know what's the what's the biggest pair i can take on tour <laughs> yeah that that's like why i initially i got them because i was um i was working out of places that had kettlebells you know, like I was at Gavin's gym for a while when I was living in Brooklyn. And, uh, you know, he had the whole setup over there. Um, and then going on tour, I just needed something to, you know, get some strength training in and whatever. And that's why, I mean, you know, I, I it would it would have been kind of useless to have like this big arsenal of weights in my apartment in New York, you know. But now, now that I live out in Jersey, I got room. And, uh, you know, probably in the next like year or so, next couple of years, I'm probably going to be buying a house down here. So I'll hopefully, uh, you know, have a basement or a garage or something to outfit. You know. Oh, you're going 100 percent full Jersey, buying a house and everything. Yeah, dude. I, it's you know, fucking. I I, I should have moved out here years ago, man. I mean, I mean, for like the last uh, four four years, uh, the band has been operating out of New Jersey, and. Um, you know, like everyone, a lot of people I know left New York. Uh, it's like way cheaper and less stressful to live out here. And it's quiet. And uh, I don't have to worry about getting stabbed in the street or people robbing, you know, breaking into my car or anything like that. And uh, yeah, it's, it's the same thing here in Austin. You know, it's just like, you know, we're, we're going to rent our house. We're moving out to Bastrop, which is like. 35 40 miles out uh and it's like a little small unfortunately uh tesla is building their factory out there but right you know we'll we'll be out there like probably spend 10 or 15 years and then you know rent that house too and yeah. then just be become slumlords <laughs> slum <laughs> yeah you know the whole uh, the whole owner owner of property thing is like a new concept for me you know and and uh you know, because I, I, you know, like, as you know, I've been living in New York or, or a city for most of my life. And, um, you know, it's just impossible. And uh, I got things situated right now where, uh, you know, I got everything pretty comfortable right now in my life. And, um, you know, I think I'll be able to make a, make a, a move like that. You know, it'll be cool. Yeah, you'll love it too, dude. Once, I mean, you already know, like, getting out, getting out and away from all the fucking bullshit makes a huge difference in your fucking just your mental state oh yeah peace of mind man it's uh you know and like i said i know a ton of people that live out here already and if i have to go into you know the city or brooklyn or anything it's only like 40 minutes to get in and out of the city um you know depending on what time of day you, you try to make that journey you know yeah and i mean that's the way this is right now here you know with with fast drop you know it's a literally a straight line <laughs> from Bastrop right into Austin. 
and this town has changed so fucking much. Like everything that me and my wife and I both like everything we moved here for is like gone, you know. I can relate to that, man. I mean, I, I even see it. I mean, the first time I went to Austin was like, I don't know, in the mid-90s maybe. And uh, shit, man, that's like over 20 years ago at this point. So, yeah, it's like e- even that first change, in, like around 2000, I think. Like by, when I first went out there, it was, it was just – there was hardly anything in Austin. There was like Emo's was there. There was a couple tattoo parlors, you know, and not much, you know. And then – it became like a destination for a lot of people. And then it kind of had its heyday uh, where I thought every, it was like really cool out there. And then I haven't been to Austin in over a year, at least a year, definitely over a year. And um, I, I can't even imagine what it's like now. I just hear reports from different people, you know, how much has changed. Oh, you know, the homeless issue here is insane. Completely, completely insane. And so many people, like all of the tech industry from like the West Coast and shit is moving here. Property values, property taxes are, you know, I mean, there's fucking houses in my, I mean, you've been in my neighborhood, yeah. and, you know, there's houses in my neighborhood that that are renting right now for $2,400 a month. Wow. And people are fucking snatching them up. It's insane. You know, but like all the shit that used to be cool here, you know, it's just completely genderfied and, you know, all these, all these people from everywhere else are just like, Oh, we want to, we're going to move to Austin and we're going to, we want to make a Texas, you know what I saw, literally saw a news story on it and this lady and her husband moved here and they were tech industry people, but they just wanted to, start fresh so they thought that austin was the place to be and they opened a store in the most expensive part of town and it's like she's like we sell you know what the hell was it like something done you know like uh what do you call it it's like little kitsch shit you know it's just like uh keep austin weird and texas and it's and it's got boots on it because it's Texas. And it's just like, you have no, you have no clue. <laughs> you have no fucking clue. And people are like, keep Austin weird. Man. Austin hasn't been weird in decades. <laughs> I mean, I, I, now you know what it was like living in Brooklyn all these, all those years, man. It's like, I mean, I, I didn't grow up in the city. I grew up in, I'm a suburb, I'm a suburbs guy. You know what I mean? I grew up like out up just above Westchester County. Like I, I'm not a, a urban type of guy really, but I spent a long, you know, many decades living in Brooklyn. And, uh, you know, I saw how, how that changed too, man. It's like, but it's like what happens, it's like this weird, uh, just kind of like parallel universe that ends up happening because these people move to New York. Oh, yeah, I want to live in Brooklyn, you know. And they have this idea. They come from some other part of the country. Then they, they try their New York experience, but then it's like we want it to be like we remember it back in our you know, and they, they create this other world, you know what I mean? And it's just a fucking drag and just everyone's unhappy and drives the property value up. They live in a neighborhood for a year and then they leave and then someone else takes their spot. And it gets even lamer. And um, it's funny, a, a few years ago, I was I interviewed Freddie from Madball and he had he had some stuff to talk about as far as. um You know, the changes in neighborhoods and his his take on it was like, yeah, people come to live in these neighborhoods, but they don't respect the neighborhood to them. It's like, 
this playground, you know, they can go there and wild out and, and, you know, not really uh, have any kind of consequence to living in this neighborhood. Yet there's, you know, families that they're pushing out and there's people that have had maybe a couple of generations living in those neighborhoods. And then suddenly they become the other, you know what I mean? Because they don't fit into the demographic of these new people moving in. And it's just a bummer, you know, and that's, it's probably, it sounds like that's exactly what's happening out in Austin. Yeah, that is that is one hundred percent what's happening. Like that that thing, like people want to people want to come here because it's it's wild and crazy Austin, you know, and it's like it's this, you know, like in Deep Alum, and you and you've been down there. I mean, you've played down there. It's like they they build a twelve story con apartment condo complex right next to Mohawk, which is an outdoor venue, and Stubbs, which is a giant outdoor venue. Yeah. They use they use the location as a selling point for the condos. And then when the condos are full, they sue the city because the music is too loud. <laughs> and they win and they win. So now you can only have shows on weekends that can only go till midnight and weekdays can only go till 10. That's, and they, like, that's the, anti and the antithesis, antithesis of the whole thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, there was like, uh, people, there was people that moved here that moved behind uh, Terry Black's barbecue and then sued the city because their neighborhood smelled like barbecue. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, and it's, it's these fucking, California people and Portland people and it's just like oh I'm going to move there and complain you know it's like don't move here then you know if if you want to you're you know you want this city to be like the city that you left then don't leave the city that you left that's always been you my know? that's always been my commentary on that you know it's like I, I do you remember um the knitting factory in uh you know Broadway yeah the old yeah the old venue in New York yeah now, you know, for years and years and years, that place was like a staple for like, you know, like kind of avant-garde stuff. But then they would also have, you know, like rock and like metal shows there. And, you know, you, you might see like Michael, you know, Gira play there or something like that, you know, and John Zorn possibly. You know, it has three levels. There's like three venues. No one gave a shit. They just would do their shows, you know, no, not bother anybody everything's fine. That neighborhood was like kind of rough around the edges for a really long time, you know, kind of buck wild, like back in the nineties. And then as things slowly changed, that lawsuit started and then you couldn't even stand outside of the, uh, the venue. <laughs> you had to like, you literally can only stand right in front of the venue. If you stood in front of anyone else's like doorway, there would be complaints because they hired these like uh, knucklehead like bouncers to keep everyone in line. And that's when I realized it was over, man. I'm like, man, this, this fucking city's beat, man. It's like, this is, that is, the end. That is fucking ridiculous. Like, yeah. how does that even work? I, dude, like you, it, you hire security to keep people in a line. Like, yeah. Fuck to, off. to keep everyone out. You can't stand in someone else's doorway in that neighborhood. And then of course, you know, the venue got, you know, venue closed. You know, maybe the, yeah, I don't know the the details behind any of it, but I'm I'm sure it had to do with real estate and their lease, and you know, and now like, you know, in, in some respects, a legendary venue is gone, and um, now it's like a, uh, 
like some rich rich uh, jerk off lives in there now probably jesus christ <laughs> yeah so I, you know you and i man we both got the idea live go somewhere quiet no one bothers you you do your thing and you know every everywhere else you you do these missions into these different cities to do your thing and you go back to your lair you know it's kind of like the way i'm living life right now yeah i mean in my you know my wife she's you know she was born and raised in a small town and outside of tulsa and she's you know, she's just like, I don't understand why we just don't move to a, you know, a super small town. I'm just like, well, one, you own your own salon. You, <laughs> yeah. you're driving to one place. Like half of my half of my life is driving to different locations. You know, because of my job. Right. <laughs> you know, so if we move 45 minutes out of town and I got to drive two two hours away to a job, now that's a three hour drive and a three hour drive home just because. You know, now it's time to live in a tiny little place. But I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer and closer to accepting that and just being like, you know what? Fuck this shit. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot to consider, man. You know, and and, uh, it's for it's like for 10 years from my end. It's like uh, I've been I've been thinking, considering moving out of the city. Like I had plans. I was going to move here. I was going to move to I thought about moving up to Hudson for a while. And um, because that's where I grew up. I grew up in the Hudson Valley. And um, that's, uh, you know, this town, this particular town that I had my sights on uh, was close to where I grew up. But then, ironically, as soon as I started looking at this town, there was a (laughs) there was a fucking article written in the New York Times Sunday edition about this town called Beacon being like the next place to live. (laughs) Like suddenly it became like overrun with people trying to escape New York city. And, you know, it's on the Metro North train. It's on the right on the Hudson river. And there's like this art scene there and all this other stuff. So then I just abandoned that idea. You know, I moved out to Jersey. Yeah. You know, as soon as you, as soon as you see that article, you're like, ah, fuck That's over. (laughs) Yeah. Like just fucking tear that fucking lottery ticket up. Like, yeah, got an escape plan. Ah, well, you know, they figured it out. Fuck. So you're all vaccinated and everything, right? I remember we were talking about this. Oh yeah, oh uh, yeah. I got the fi- I got the fucking five G fucking chip in my brain. I got fucking nanobots cursing through my body. <laughs> which which one did you get, Pfizer or Moderna or the the Johnson one? Which one did you get? I I I got the Moderna one, and it seems to you know most of the people that I know got the Moderna. Like most of the males that I know have the, got the Moderna and most women that I know got the Pfizer, which is kind of odd, but it's probably just a coincidence. I got the Pfizer. You got Pfizer? Yeah. I just got my second uh, dose last week. And, did it, uh, did it knock you in the dirt for a day? Well, it, it, yeah, it, uh, I, it was mostly fatigue and headaches and then I was fine. Uh, and then last night I did some training and I get, I got real like gassed out and I had another headache. So it's, there's some lingering for like a few days and it kind of ha- that's kind of what happened with the first shot. But, uh, today I just did like a kettlebell workout and, um, and I feel fine. I think I'm okay now, but it was nothing major. Like it didn't, like I wasn't like, you know, have, I didn't have like a fever or anything like that. Yeah. I, uh, 
like the first shot, it just it it made a big fucking lump in my deltoid. Damn, really? Yeah, but it was wasn't even like it was really even super painful. It just like swelled up kind of big. Huh. And then, uh, I was fine. Like I I worked out when I got home. Like put in like a two hour fucking hard workout, no problem. And then I got the second shot, and I ended up getting it at night. Because uh-huh. my sh- my shit got rescheduled, so I got it at like eight fifteen, eight twenty at night. Woke up the next day, felt a hundred percent fine. Got up, fucking went to work, and uh, you know, about ten or ten thirty in the morning, I've already been at work like three three and a half hours, and I started like feeling like kind of weird and like like my balance was off. Oh man. I, and I started like feeling like super fucking tired. I'm like, what the fuck is happening right now? And then like every 30 minutes I would start like feeling kind of weird, like, like in the, you know, like a flow of that same thing. Like, you know, like kind of, I don't even know how to explain it, but I started getting like super tired, like really fatigued. And I felt off balance and like, I could start feeling like my, my heart like beating in my chest. Oh wow, damn, that must have been. Scary. You know, you, you you know, like when you start doing after you get done doing like a really hard workout. Yeah. And you can like feel your heart pulsing when you're sure. trying to like bring yourself back down to earth. So I was like, "Fuck!" And I I made it most of the day, but I, I ended up coming home because uh, I just couldn't handle it anymore. And I just like came home and laid down on the fucking couch, and then um, I got super cold. I was like freezing, like teeth chattering, freezing. I put, I was, you know, it's like May in Texas and I'm wearing a fucking hooded sweatshirt. <laughs> yeah. And then I went to bed and, uh, like woke up at five in the morning with my alarm going off in a, in a pool of sweat, like a giant wet spot of sweat on my bed. And then I felt completely fine. Everyone- so it was like, it's like this weird cycle of like, 24 hours of you know total dog balls and then like oh you're back to normal there you go have a good day thanks for playing yeah it's so interesting how how different every experience really is because i talked to it you know it's, it's like a question that comes up especially now you know where, where everyone's getting well not everyone but like people are getting people i know at least are getting vaccinated and uh everyone's reactions are different man it's like um my parents, you know, they're like older, man. They're like their late seventies, eighties. Nothing, nothing at all happened to them. They got the shot. Their arm hurt a little bit, and nothing, right? You know, I, I had some some side effects. You had some side effects. Um, some of my coworkers, you know, had a variety of different side effects. And uh, yeah, it's just so weird how all this stuff like plays out, you know. Yeah, this kid I work with, uh, like his, you know, his dad, his, his parents got vaccinated and like his, his mom like got a little bit fatigued from the second shot, but like his dad, like nothing from the first shot, nothing from the second shot, like arm didn't even swell up, nothing, you know, and this dude's like fucking 70. Yeah. It's hard to explain, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's those nanobot, those nanobots affect people in different ways. <laughs> oh, well, let me, let me, you know, since you, since the second time you brought that up, let me ask you, let me ask you, since, um, you know, you live in a 
very conservative state in Texas. Uh, is there, what, what's the overall uh, climate down there as far as vaccinations go? Are people embracing it, rejecting it? Do they think it's a, a conspiracy? Like, what's, what's up with that, you know? Well, well, this is Texas, so there's a little bit of all that, you know. Uh, most, most people that I know have gotten vaccinated because people just want shit to go back to fucking normal like the rest of us adults, you know? Right. Uh, but there are people that I do know. I mean, there's two guys I work with that just refuse to get it. And I, and I don't understand. Both of them are married. Both of them have fucking children. And they're just like, not in my body. You know, like, that, it's too new. How can you have something that new? I'm like, well, they've been studying some form of COVID now, you know, for well over two decades. So it's not super new. And this isn't the 1920s. I mean, we're landing fucking robots on asteroids and then sending them home. You know, these days, technology's come a long way, including the medical field. So, you know, let's just do you miss going to restaurants? I do. So, you know, do you miss going to the movies? You know, playing shows, band practice, touring, seeing your friends. You know, having dropping your kids off at school. Do you miss any of that? Oh, yeah, you certainly do. Oh, but you you can't get a you can't get a simple shot because you you just don't think you can trust it. You know, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Most people that I know, like friends, I mean, there are definitely some, you know, peripheral people in my life that uh, that, you know, who I expected to reject it um, are rejecting it. But. There's a, there's at least one person that I know that is has this like bizarre anti-vax um, sort of viewpoint on this thing, and and it, it it actually surprised me, you know. But hey, man, I'm with you. It's like uh, I'm willing to roll the dice. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I don't know how many more years I got left on this planet, man. But all I know is I want to try like to have like those years actually amount to something. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean I'll I'll be 50 in August. I should have been dead a hundred times already in this life. So, you know, if, if, if I'm going to, if I'm going to roll the dice on getting a shot that makes me feel better and open society back up, well then, you know, saddle up and let's do this. And also, I mean, though I've never served in the military, my understanding is that, uh, you guys have, uh, you know, routinely get vaccinated for all sorts of things. So you, they shoot you guys up with a bunch of stuff when you're in the military, right? Oh yeah, and 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 it's you know it's not just like oh well you get, you know one little thing here you know they mix like, they you know you may get like eight or nine vaccinations at once, <laughs> in one dose you know what yeah. I'm saying it's like it's it's not even like, you know you're gonna get a shot in your arm and you're gonna take four steps forward and you're gonna you know another shot no they they blast they just like mix you a cocktail, and blast it in you either with the syringe or my personal favorite with air pressure guns, they, <laughs> which feels like somebody punching you in the fucking arm super hard, but there's no, there's no needle. It's like a, it's literally like a high pressure blast and they shoot the vaccine through your skin into your muscle with air. That sounds brutal, man. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's fun. It's good times, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of brutality, man, you got, you got this, this new fucking record, man with uh triage and uh but before we talk about that 
how many bands are you in now? I mean, you got Black Ops, you got, uh, you know, Derelict Satellite, and now you got Triage. Is there anything I, I'm not missing? Um, I have all of that. And then I also have a, uh, we, Black Ops and Dining with Dogs, we kind of have a band that's together, like a super group, you could say. Right on. Um, which is going to be like longer, you know, more kind of artful, neurosis-esque, you know, like long sumac style, you know, kind of journey song, you know, like long, longer format stuff that we're doing. And then um, I also have a thrash. I started another thrash metal hardcore band with a, some kind of Texas hardcore all-star guys. Wow. So what's that called? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a busy dude. We haven't decided on a name yet. We had kind of done it before and then everybody, you know, of course this, the plague and, you know, people's, you know, life gets in the way. So, I think you should call it the uh, the Champ Morgan Band. Oh yeah, that. Yeah, yeah that's be that be a good name for that one. Well, uh, you know, I'm since I'm doing all these big workouts, is you know, I, I'm striving to you know look like Henry Rollins circa 1989, 1990. So I'm going to wear the tiniest shorts known to man, no shirt, no shoes. You know, just strip down. <laughs> the ironic thing is that I I. Uh... Trying to schedule this conversation has been pretty fucking uh, circuitous, to say the least. It has been odd. Yet, you find time to play in all these fucking heavy metal bands. (laughs) Well, you know, it's just how it plays out during the week. (laughs) Because Black black Ops, we we, we practice on, I mean, we haven't practiced in forever. Tesla, the car company Tesla bought Austin Music Lab, gave everybody 10 days to get out, and then completely gutted the building. Oh, man. So, you know, probably, I don't know, there's probably at least 300 bands in there. Jeez. We're all thrown out into the streets. With, and now there was, barely, there was already barely any place to practice. So now all of the places are taken up. The prices have gone through the roof. So I mean we haven't we haven't practiced in in months. That new Black Ops record, uh, Roman Numerals putting it out, it's going to press in the next week or two. So that record should be out like early summer, and we can't practice because we don't have anywhere to go. That fucking sucks, man. That's yeah, that's I mean, like the worst scenario. And it's not just us. I mean, there's I mean literally hundreds of I mean just people were just. You have 10 days to get your shit out. Oh, and don't worry about paying for the 10 days worth of rent. We'll cop that to you and have a good day. You know, it's like, what the hell? You know, keep Austin weird, man. It's the music capital of the world. Oh, but nobody has a place to practice. That That's uh, a real yeah. drag, man. I that, that reminds me of just shit that used to happen in New York all the time with like practice spaces and like, you know being moved around and things closing and then they're making a restaurant here and this, your, your guys are got to get thrown out. So that, that's a fucking bummer, man. Yeah. I remember you, we had that conversation about practicing in New York years ago when you were, when you were down here and it was like, 
what did you you told me it was like some crazy price yeah in the in the rehearsal room was tiny and i was like oh my god well one of the, the one place that i'm probably thinking about that i told you about it's um like i barely had enough room to stand up in this place it was in this massive uh basement loft setup right you had to, it was downstairs there was this huge like 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 a 15 foot ceiling right but they built these rooms they were like they were like these like fucking like pens for cattle or something like that and they only they only <laughs> the rooms were literally the size of one piece of sheetrock you know and so Holy that shit. was it that was that was it that one sheetrock and then if you uh you know if you can't fit your stuff in there you know what do you want from me you know go go somewhere else it's like so i you know we it was me andrew and carson luckily we were only a three-piece at that time all crammed into this space with all of our key our gear and the pa and a and a and a drum set and you just kind of had to make it work man and, I, and it's i always thought it was really funny that we practiced in a room like that and then that was right around the time we did all these tours with like ISIS and we would stand on these big stages and like, it's like I was used to being in a, in a closet, you know what I mean? The whole time. And then I'm like, oh wow, going on tour. It's great. Look at this. There's like, I can stand like all the way. <laughs> I can, I can fucking stand up like a, like, you know, yeah, like a grown up. This, this is what grown up feels like. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, you're not a small. I mean, Carson, you and Carson both are not small dudes. I mean, and Andrew, he was he was you know tall, but yeah. he was sitting down. I mean, he's a fucking drummer, so you got to get in the he, room though. You got to walk in. Yeah. you got to go through the door. You know, it's like at some point you have to stand up. You know, but yeah, it's like it was, you pay to practice and you get scoliosis for free. I mean, how what what else could you ask for? But you know, it it you got to remember too. It was uh, it was Brooklyn, and a lot of the people there were like playing through like little combo amps and. Like and uh, you know, one guy was like some electronic dude, you know, and you know it wasn't really like uh, you know there weren't there weren't a whole lot of like Marshall stacks there, you know. And oh you, yeah, the, you can take we, that we however you want. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> the Black Ops could never never practice there. Yeah, I mean we have a huge amount of fucking a huge arsenal of of cabs, you know. The one thing I do have to say about that spot, though, was that I, in in a way, it was kind of like cool because um, there was that death by audio spot was like it was somehow connected to that place. There were two different operations, but th those were good days, man. When death by audio was around, it was a cool venue. It was a DIY venue. It, it had like um, you know, like a, a very a little bit artsier. But that kind of ABC No Rio, like totally independent kind of thing, and it was connected to that that effects company, and um, you know early Tombs shows we played there a bunch of times, like Wolves in the Throne Room played there, uh, you know that band Bison from California, uh, not California, from uh, from Canada played there. Oh, that band, that band was dope. I oh, saw yeah. those dudes a, a few times, man. That I love that band. Yeah, those are good friends of mine, man. We we toured with them in Kailessa like a million years ago. And um, I stayed, you know, I stay in touch with those guys. And um, yeah, it was, it was, and then of course that got turned, ironically got turned into the, uh, the vice offices. So they got, they got thrown out too. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. 
So is everything it, everything cool dies. Well, the, it's funny how how it is like it's like oh you know vice you know noisy music you know cool stuff you know like I mean I don't particularly I'm not a big fan of that world really but like I acknowledge it as being like you know some kind of forward thinking potentially thing you know that's involved with music and that so they they come in and shut down a venue and throw all these bands out of their practice spaces so they can open an office you know it's just really ironic and funny to me you know yeah but whatever you know who is actually in triage triage is is basically uh three quarters of kill the client it's like kill the client without without the toxic person in the band you know it's me and brian and chris and uh you know it's basically just us picking up where when kill the client broke broke up it's like right there but version 2.0 better faster a little bit a little bit more Swedish death metal and the riffage on a lot of stuff, tone wise for sure. But I mean, it's really just uh, the next level up from what used to be Kill the Client. Yeah, I ordered the record and uh, you know I've listened to it a few times. It's definitely uh, I, the Swedish tone is there for sure. And and it's I didn't really I, I got to be honest with you, I didn't know when I first got the record, I didn't know who was in the band. I knew you were in it, but then I'm like, oh, that drumming man, it's like. Then of course I looked on the, uh, you know, the, the lineup. Looked up the lineup, and Fajardo was on drums, and I was like, "Damn, that's you know for sure that sounds like Brian Fajardo's drumming." That dude is a machine. That he, you know, I I love Brian. He he's the best. He's the most laid back dude you'll ever meet in your life, and like cares so much about playing fucking grindcore. Like, you know, everything has to be a certain way. You know, it has to be. It has to be right practices all the fucking time, you know, doesn't have an attitude about anything, you know, you would think like being one, literally one of the best drummers in this fucking business that there would be an attitude hiding in there somewhere. And there's not, you know what I mean? And that's, that's the most refreshing thing. Like just being in a band with that dude. Cause you know, he's going to bring it, you know, he's going to bring it a hundred and fucking 50% every single time with absolutely no attitude and a skill level that you can't, you know, you can't even fathom. Yeah. I, I, I was pretty stoked when I was out on tour of warm rot all those years ago and Brian was playing in phobia. And, uh, that was definitely one of the high points of that, uh, that little run we did together I was watching Fajardo destroy the drums every night. One of my one of my favorite things about watching Brian play is like he's playing the most intense shit and looks like he's like bored doing his taxes. <laughs> you know, there's like no facial expression change and the dude's like doing the most amazing shit. You know, it, it just always makes me laugh. So how how long has uh, the band been in existence? Um, at this point, uh. Probably a year and a half, maybe something like that. I mean, Brian and Chris started jamming again, and then they they had a bunch of songs. And Chris hit me up and was like, "Hey, man, like Brian and I are jamming, and you know, we want you to come 
do vocals and i was like fucking hell yeah you know and at the time you know there was no plague so <clears throat> but none of the timing worked out so i didn't get a chance to go up there very often but then they they're like all right well we recorded it here's all the songs you know figure out all the vocals and everything and then we can record it and then we'll figure out practice and playing shows so we uh, i went up there and recorded that recorded 13 basically wrote and recorded 13 songs in one day that's fucking that, crazy man yeah i i had like all the lyrics we just had to like all right, yeah you know, i was gonna say bro that's like to write lyric i mean I, that's like you know you like must have took like adderall or something like that to come up with that shit you know i'm like damn but yeah like, i mean there were there was there was two songs pretty much two songs that i wrote on on there but everything else i i had you know, I try to I try to write constantly, you know, if, and I, you know, I'm always typing lyrics and shit into my phone. Some of it's fucking straight terrible, you know, but, you know, a lot of it, there may be, a, you know, just a song title or, you know, sometimes I write out entire things and then, you know, one song may be perfect and workable. And then there may be two or three songs that just get cut into pieces that that make another song, you know, it just depends. It just depends on what I have, but I mean, I recorded 13 songs for the triage record that day and two songs for the, uh, and I was there uh, for Takafumi Masabora's record too. I did all that in one day. Jesus, man. Yeah. And, and the two, the two songs for, for, for Takafumi, I wrote, I wrote one of those while I was there and one I had in, in the bank. So it was a crazy, it was a crazy day. Yeah. I, I, that What you just described as far as lyrics go, that's, that's pretty much what I do, man. I, I like pretty much every day I write something down in a book. I, I have like a series of those little composition notebooks and like, it just, I try to write whatever. Cause I know that at some point I'm going to need material. You know what I mean? And, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, so it's like any clever fucking play wordplay I can come up with, I just write it down, and it might be a title or whatever, just like you, you know, same thing. And then you at least have something to go off of, and it's like maybe something you wrote like three weeks ago. That piece fits with something else. That's I can never understand guys who just I've seen this too, and like back in the '90s when I was, um, you know, tr doing like recording with people. Um, like dudes would show up with no lyrics and I was like, who the fuck wants to work with that kind of pressure, man? You know? And they just yeah. And a lot shit. of times the, the amount of pressure and then like, if there's no time to really work that over, like, I mean, what's the quality of what you're going to, you're going to kick out in just a couple of days. Yeah, you know, yeah. like I, I want my shit to make sense and I want it to be right and have a purpose and have a meaning. You know, I mean, I don't write stupid, stupid songs, you know, I, everything I have, I it really, you know, I, t I try to take pride in like the wordsmithing part of it. You know what I mean? Like the artistry of just the words that are used. And uh, I couldn't, I don't think I could come in at the last minute and be like, oh, I just wrote this, this amazing masterpiece and oh, only 14 more songs to go. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, um. Yeah, I would never want to operate like that. Actually, uh, Eric Rutan was telling me a story about a band 
apparently a, we- a very well-known band that you know was on one of these gigantic labels that are out there. And um, the singer had quit while, like, I guess they, you know, they, they were on their way down. And the guy quit right before they would record the album. So they, the band came down without the singer, right? Eric's like, where's your singer? Oh, he quit, right? They phoned up some other guy, right? He flew down there. And the, the, the singer that quit is like, oh, yeah, by the way, you can't use any of my lyrics. So this, whoever you got coming in has got to start from scratch, right? So this, this dude shows up. <laughs> No, doesn't know any of the songs, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe they sent him demos or something or whatever. And he wrote the entire album while in the studio. Wow, <laughs> that's fucking pressure, man. That's extreme pressure. Yeah. But yeah. the thing I will say this about Eric Rutan: that new Cannibal Corpse record is fucking awesome, dude. I can't stop listening to it, man. It's it's like one of my favorite albums by them, you know, it's like a, it's like a Saturday, Saturdays. Uh, I train in my garage and I, I train uh, tie boxing with a couple of guys, uh, Nate Garrett from spirit of drift that used to be in gate creeper. He comes by and trains and, uh, Jason that's in deep cross. And then my friend, Mike Wilchester that I've known forever. He's been in a whole bunch of bands. Like we just, beat on each other and work out but nine times out of ten that cannibal corpse records being played so you know at some point in the we usually train from like 11 in the morning till like 1 30 or 2 in the afternoon cool. we do like we do like long sessions but that that cannibal records always getting played so next time i come down to austin i should bring my gloves and shin guards right is that what you're trying to say 100 percent. fuck yeah dude that's so so cool to be able to do that on the road man it's like yeah, I mean, or we just, or we do what we've been talking about for ten years. <laughs> Tombs, Ken Mode, Black Ops. You know, we just tour together and train every day. We or did. we can also, we can also swing Oxbow in there because <laughs> I've been talking about me and Eugene have been talking about kicking each other's ass forever. So, <laughs> you know, it's funny, man. It's like. um yeah, I love. I'm I'm a huge fan of Eugene's man. Like I I love his writing. I love his music and Oxbow and you know and Whipping Boy and and I love listening to his podcast and and um he's just a fucking all around. He's like a Renaissance man. Like he's like this brilliant physical guy, creative, you know, like all that stuff. And he's a nice guy on top of it. At least from my perspective, I'm sure there are people out there who probably have a different point of view, but uh. I, I love Eugene, man. And, and like the thing that I find really funny is that the, 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 the people who go see Oxbow, it's like, why the fuck would you fuck with a guy like that? Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? It's like, like you and I, like the scene that we operate in has probably got like a little bit more like rough, like rougher, like people, I guess, you know, that would go to these types of shows yet. I got to be honest, I've never really had any problems with anybody at shows, yet Eugene has story after story after story of people trying to, like, start shit with him. I just don't get it. I, I've i had problems at shows. I've, I've fought people that kill the client shows back in the old days, but 
since I quit drinking, I haven't fought a single person. So, you know, there's, there's a little bit of that, but I don't know. I, I, I don't think there would be any time in my life with any band I would ever go see that I would want to see a, that I would go see perform. Even if the guy is in his underwear, I'm not going to try to grab his genitalia for any reason. I just don't feel the need in that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, especially someone like Eugene's a big fucking dude. You know what I mean? He's a big dude. He's doing his fucking thing on stage. It's it's like, oh, well, I'm going to grab this guy's balls. Like, what possesses you to do that? And then if you do do that, you honestly should have no, like, well, what did you hit me for? You know? <laughs> well, well that, that's like, yeah, I mean, that that's the zone. You know, it's like the minute you put your hands on somebody, you better expect there to be some kind of like uh you know retribution or something like that you know i mean it's like you know be, yeah no no one's gonna shake your hand after you fucking you know try yeah. to crush their nuts yeah totally but with all that said i still don't get it man it's like just forget about all the training and skill and martial arts expertise that he has he's just a big fucking dude man you know yeah and i would i mean i wouldn't fucking dream of doing it of fucking with him at a show you know i wouldn't dream of it yeah you know i mean i I don't know people just never forget that people are fucking stupid yeah but you know what's funny though uh like confronting him on stage as the singer right i mean you and i have both been at tons of shows where there's violence in the in the crowd right oh a hundred percent yeah like that, that's more understandable to me than, than, I mean, you know, people, you know, I mean, let's, let's talk back, back in the day, like different types of crew types showing up and having fights. And then, you know, some guy gets like uh spin kicked, you know, and then he doesn't like that. And then they get a fight and then that kind of thing, you know, but, but it, I almost feel like even at that, those types of shows, it was never really against the band. You know, it was not, it was very rare that somebody attacked someone on stage. Right. That, yeah. There's the, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. I was thinking about that just the other day and I was like, man, cause I was, you know, I listen to Eugene's podcast all the time, you know, every, every week. And I'm like, man, this fucking guy, like, it seems like every show you would see Oxbow, there would be some guy trying to fuck with this dude. And I was like, you know, I remember the last time I saw them play in New York, I was like, oh, let me keep my eye out in the crowd here. You know, maybe someone's going to start some shit, you know, and, and, uh, I mean, nothing happened, but like, that that's the impression you get, you know. It's it's kind of funny. Yeah, I mean that I remember reading a story. I don't remember if it was in Decibel. I don't remember where it was at, but it was about Eugene. I, they had come down here to Austin to play South by. You know, and it's hotter than shit. Eugene's in his, you know, in his underwear and like somebody tried to grab him. So he starts like, you know, beating this dude's ass well then security like jumps on him and he ends up like like whipping the shit out of like five security guards yeah and then running down the alley you know the alley to get away because they fucking called the cops you know it's just like this why would you you know i don't know like security guards were being you know were being rough and like really instead of like trying to cut the situation down like started trying to fight him so you know he just started blasting them yeah, man, it's that, and that's that's kind of like the other when you're in some strange town, you know, and there's like a guy who's clearly a troublemaker, 
And you don't know what kind of ties that guy has with other people that might be at the show or even, you know, and a lot of times, you know, and I'm thinking more about Boston when I lived there, that the security at these shows were connected with these, like, you know, different crews and whatnot, you know. That's always a concern. It's always a concern to have, you know. Yeah, because you got one, it ends up being, like, one security guard against, like, fucking 20 people because you don't know, you know, who the fuck you're being an asshole to. Yeah. Boston, that's a town that likes to fight, man. Jesus. <laughs> we we we've, we've played there. I've been there a few times, and I've I've never had a single problem. I had a lot of fun in Boston. Never never a single fight. Didn't get stabbed. Didn't... <laughs> well, that was a thing for a while too. Um, that band. I, I don't know if you remember that band Tree. You know. Yeah, Tree. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was like a thing for like a couple of years. How they would play at the Rat, and someone would get stabbed. And then they weren't allowed to play in certain areas and, and that that kind of thing, you know. Yeah, I remember seeing like what was what were those? There was like DVDs that came out that were called like the Boston Beatdown or some shit, and they were all like scene oh, that, yeah. <laughs> that that was uh, that was much later actually. That was I was my that 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 was like circa like two thousand four, I think. The Boston Beatdown stuff, and uh, that was when I was kind of on the outs with some of those dudes in Boston. And um, that was like a concern of a particular show we had in in, uh, in Boston. I remember when that those came out. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's weird filming yourself committing felonies and trying to sell them. It's kind of a strange thing, you know. <laughs> There's a thing called evidence. Yeah, I mean, Faith No More even wrote a song about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but. Yeah. Yeah, one of, one of the things I wanted to, I always wanted to ask you is, um, how long have you, are you still vegan? Oh no, I, I, I've I've never really been vegan. I've I've cycled in and out of um, not eating meat okay. a few times, but I've 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 never been a vegan. Oh, you know, I remember that one time I was down there, and you were, we went to get something to eat, and and we went to some vegan hamburger spot. Oh, Arlo's. Yeah. And that that's why I thought like, you were a vegan because you were like, you know, you were taking me to this place. And, um, you know, I was like, oh, you know, no. went in Rome, you know, and uh, and I was like, oh, I never realized. I, I always thought I didn't know if you were vegan or not. But, yeah, no, that's interesting. No, that 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 burger, vegan or not, is one of the best burgers you'll ever eat in your life. And then Arlo's Arlo's fucking rules, man. I love that place. They just opened a. uh Lostwell, they they have a now now Arlo's has a second food trailer and it's at Lostwell. Oh wow, damn, dude, I can't wait to get back down on the fucking road, man. It's uh, I'm all these things, you know. It's like you think about um, take for granted, I guess, that I would be in a lot of these cities at least twice a year, you know, and I would see people, I would go to these places and and have like a full life experience you know and i now as soon now that i'm all vaccinated and things are starting to open up and we're you know talking about touring again it's like i just can't wait to get back out there you know and do this stuff you know and see these see people see you you know and go to arlo's or whatever and just fucking live life man well i should be seeing you pretty soon because uh the decibel beer fest has been rescheduled now so oh Wait, 
And you guys are playing that, right? No, not that I know of. Are we, are we on the flyer? <laughs> I thought you guys were on it anyway. No, 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 no. We, uh, you know why I think you thought that? Napalm Death is on that. And yeah. We were going to do that. We're, we were supposed to be doing that tour with them last year. But we, their tour, I guess, start, the, the actual tour started after uh, the, the beer fest. But yeah. so we're not playing that. But maybe I should go because that's one of the one of the vows I made to myself was that in a post pandemic world, I am no longer going to find excuses to not do things. You know, there you and, go. And it's like like this weekend I'm going down to Monster Mania in uh, South Jersey. And uh, what is that? What is that? What is Monster yeah, it's, Mania? It's a, it's a horror festival. They have like, you know. They have like like Tom Atkinson's there, you know. They got like the guy who played Pinhead from my Hellraiser, and then they have, oh cool, yeah, you know, all these different vendors like selling DVDs and T-shirts and artwork, and the um, the bass player of my band owns a um, T-shirt company, like printing company. So they have a table there where they're selling miscellaneous merchandise. And uh, he's like, yeah, I'm going to be there on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You should come down and, and hang out and everything. And it's outside. So I'm like, oh, you even know, better. Yeah. I'm like, you know what, man? Fuck it. The tickets were $13, man. You can't go wrong with something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's insane. So that's Get my first house, see foray. Some fucking, see some spooky stuff. Yeah, man. That's my first like foray into the world is this weekend, you know? And that could be your next uh, Necromaniacs podcast in the making right there. <laughs> that might not be a bad idea, man. I think, uh, you know, we've been, we've been doing that weekly, too. So, um, you know, I was trying to drag Mike down there with me, too. But uh, we'll see. You know, maybe we'll see if he – It's for him, it's a little bit more difficult because he needs to take the tr- Jersey Transit to here. Then we're going to – it's more coordination. And I don't, I don't know if uh, he's so keen on – getting on a public transportation, like on a train just yet. So we'll see. Right. But yeah, I, I listened to, I listened to your podcast. It's Wednesday. So I listened to your podcast and then the, the metal matters back to back every, every Wednesday morning. Oh, cool. Yeah. Wait, they, do they still release on, does metal Matters still come out on Tuesday or Wednesday? It comes out on Tuesday. Okay. All right. But I don't listen to, I, I, I always listen to yours first, and then that one I is the second one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's why I like these go out on Wednesdays because I don't want to like you know interfere with uh, you know I, I don't want to be going come out on the same day that they come out. You know what I mean? Sure. But well, that I, I had questions about veganism, but I guess they're not they're not relevant anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we can you know. We were uh, supposed to talk about band stuff, and we've kind of. We've, well, I tried to. Chris, I tried to talk <laughs> about band stuff, and you're like, "Yeah, man, we around for a year and a half." Uh, you know. <laughs> so, have you guys actually we, played any shows? No, we haven't played. We haven't played together yet, uh, but we are getting ready to start practicing and writing the, a new record. I sent Chris like eleven or twelve songs worth of new lyrics, and. Uh, now that all three of us are fully vaccinated, we're trying to schedule out um, me going to Dallas and, you know, getting some practices in and starting the writing process, you know, and then once that starts rolling, we'll, you know, 
I'll have to plan those Saturdays out. And then Black Ops, once we get a, a place squared away to practice, we'll start rolling again. That new record comes out early summer on Roman numeral. And the artwork, like we had Ethan Ethan from Primitive Man did the artwork and it's it's insane. James Plotkin mastered it. It nice. it just sounds it just sounds so huge and crazy. And uh, you know, we're stoked. One, I'm just happy just to be on Roman numeral. Some of my favorite bands are on that label and Paul is just a the easiest dude to work with. I I, I really dig that label. You know, and him, he's the he's the fucking best, man. There's a there's a band on that label called Horsewhip. If, I don't know if you've ever fucking heard of them, but they're they yeah. put out one of my favorite records last year. You uh, you told me about them and I checked them out online and yeah, it's cool, definitely. Yeah, love that fucking band. Yeah, but yeah, there's I mean there's a lot of things going on right now band wise. It's just you know everybody's kind of like waiting with bated breath for society to open back up, you know. But I, I I think some good shit's getting ready to happen. Now down in Texas, does it feel? Well, actually, you guys are pretty much wide open down there, right? Well, our our awesome, uh, I should say, ridiculous fucking governor has completely opened the state up and said that no city or municipality can uh, can go against his rule. No one can institute their own mask regulations or anything like that because he has stated that it is no longer a worry here in the great state of texas <laughs> you know oh, so man. a guy a guy that likes to tout about like small government you know big government not getting involved he sure loves to you know just have his say as the, the king of texas that sounds i was gonna say that sounds like a very authoritarian uh sort of uh statement right there you know yeah, man, he's a he's a conservative Republican, sir. That's that's the way they like it. Equals fascist, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right there. That's <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. Like up here, things are still pretty. Um, I mean, we're opening slowly, and I like that. I'm happy about that, you know. And and uh, people are still wearing masks, which is cool inside. Now, some people are wearing them outside. Some people are wearing them in their car. And I'm not criticizing anybody, man. You do whatever you need to do to make yourself comfortable, man. I'm not going to, like, tell people what to do. And um, But, yeah, I mean, I feel pretty confident that things are going to be okay up here fairly soon. You know, there was, like, that big uh, hardcore show that happened in um, Tompkins Square Park a few weeks ago that had everyone up in arms. And uh, Yeah, that was that was a little wild. You know, but a lot of that too just happened a little bit quick, and then a whole bunch of, uh, I don't know, I don't know what's going on with John Joseph with with his QAnon nonsense, but I don't know how much of that I would need in my life. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, for what it's worth, the visual on having a big ass show like that in the middle of the city is is a little too early. Regardless of what your, your yeah. views are out there, if anyone's like, you know, oh, no, man, you know, it's fine. Yeah, great. It may be, you know, but, you know, as far as like uh, how it looks to the rest of the society in the neighborhood, it's probably uh, would have been better to wait till at least June or something to try to pull something like that off, you know, and then you get, a, you know, a, a fairly uninformed guy 
you know, like John Joseph out there who's who's like spouting all this like conspiracy bullshit. It's like, dude, you, you know, you're lucky. Any that guy, motherfucker, is lucky. Anyone even cares about him at this stage, man. You know, he made that one record back in like the '80s. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, right on, man. But like, you know, be be responsible, yeah. regardless of what you think, what you feel. Maybe there's other people out there that have a different point of view, and you should respect what their opinions are, you know. And yeah, I mean, I'm I'm all for everything opening, but you know, opening at a safe pace because yeah. this shit's not gonna this shit's not gonna go away. No, it's, it's gonna take it's gonna take time before everything goes back to what the the new normal is gonna be. Yeah, exactly. You know, but uh, yeah, that that was kind of like. Uh, I, I didn't realize it was going to be such a thing, but it, it turned out to be a thing. And I was like, damn. And then of course everyone piles on, you know, then there's like this green light and then you get, uh, these rags like metal sucks, you know, getting involved. And then next thing you know, you got this, uh, this, this event that, you know, people are throwing rocks at. So it's kind of a bummer. Yeah, it was kind of wild when I saw the video. I was like, holy shit, that's a ton of fucking people. And, like, not a mass to be <laughs> to, <laughs> yeah. to be seen anywhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was outside. And, and I know some people that went to the show, and they were saying that, yeah, you know, there, there were people wearing masks. It's just that they were on the, on the outskirts. You know, they weren't, like, you know, in the pit. You know what I mean? Yeah, and my, you know, my thing is, it's just, like, even if you're, if you're not into wearing a mask, I mean, I, I mean, nobody likes wearing a fucking mask, but it may not be you that you're concerned about, but you know, the, the next person you're around, you know, that may not be, that may have some immune issues or, you know, something, I don't know. It just seems I would err on the side of caution at this point, just to move things forward. Sure. Now the, the new triage record, I, I, um, I mail ordered mine. And I, I have it, as I mentioned earlier. Where could other people find this? Like, what what are all the the uh, applicable uh, sites, social media accounts, and places that they can either purchase the record digitally or as a, a hard copy? Um, digitally, you can just go to uh, Triage on Bandcamp, and you can get it digitally there. Um, to get a hard copy of the actual vinyl, then you need to go to uh, Roman numeral records for that. And with the vinyl, there's only 300 pressed. All are on uh, Blood Red Swirl. So it's like a limited cool thing. But that's that's all we have right now. You know, we're we're not on a we're not, you know, not on a label or whatever. We're just kind of doing shit on our own. And then, you know. Roman numerals helping us out, but we're not, we're not signed to anyone, you know? Are there any, uh, like Facebook or Instagram or, you know, like uh parlor or anything like that where people can find you guys? Uh, yeah. Instagram, it's on Instagram and I want to say it's on Facebook. Chris runs all that part of it. So I'm not really sure, but uh, I know for sure it's on, it's on Instagram. Uh, and I'm, it may be, I'm, it should it should be on Facebook. I should say that. Um, 
but yeah, physical copies is through Roman numeral and then digital is just uh, through the triage band camp. And everyone out there, I'm going to share uh, the Bandcamp uh, page on the, the Everything Went Black Facebook. So you guys out there, if you want to, just so you don't forget, you can go to Everything Went Black Facebook and there'll be a, uh, a link to the Bandcamp page uh, once this episode goes up. So, uh, so yeah, you guys out there, I got you covered. Yeah, and Black Ops is all, on all that too. Um physical copies of that when it comes out it'll be on roman numeral but you know we're on black ops is on facebook black ops is on uh instagram all that's all that fun happy stuff yeah black ops though has been around for a lot, lot longer obviously and uh yeah we got, we're about we're about five years into it right now and you know this this new record is really you know one of the I hate to be that guy, but it's, you know, like one of the proudest, we're <laughs> super, super proud of this record. It sounds so good. You know, it just turned out like, it just turned out great. And I don't, I don't like bragging or anything, but man, it's just a fucking, it's, it's really good. No, there's nothing wrong with that, man. I mean, it's like to be happy with something that you put a lot of time and effort in, into. That's, that's not, that's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, it should be out soon. And uh I really think people are gonna dig it. It's different, you know. I mean you've you've been to you've seen us play, you know. I mean yeah. we do we do we do weird shit, weird heavy shit, you know. I mean I, I play a theremin through a fucking full stack. <laughs> you know, Mark writes great riffs, you know, I mean it's it's crazy shit. You know, we're trying to do something different, trying to do something that no one else has done before and I think this new record's gonna show that. Now, let me ask you a question about uh, the Lost Well versus that uh, that venue. What the hell is it called? The, um, all that jazz or whatever that that place that you don't go to whenever we play in town because you don't you don't like the place. Oh, <laughs> uh, come and fake it. Is that what it, what's it called again? Come and get it. Or, come and take it. Come and take it. Yeah. Now I didn't know about any of the drama. I just show up with you know what I mean. I get like an address and a time and a date and oh, just, oh so yeah i go there because that's what happened you know it's just a line item on a fucking schedule so i don't know what's surrounding all that stuff so is it what what's the the deal like you you were telling me there's like some kind of issue with local bands and and this particular venue and you know and the lost well is is clearly more of like a you know kind of like an independent um venue you know the, so, the lot the lost well is one of my favorite favorite places to see bands and to actually play the venue's fucking great everybody that runs and works that place is fucking awesome the sound system's good it's just a good fucking you know badass fucking dive bar you know it's good it's great for shows super fucking chill you know where come and take it it's like a giant or i can't say giant a bigger but like polished venue and it's one of those things where it doesn't matter how accomplished your band is. You know, they just see that you're from here and they're like, Oh, you're just a fucking local band. We're going to give you 25 tickets to sell to your people and what they don't and what, and what they don't buy, you have to purchase. Ah, okay. So this is interesting, man, because like, you know, anyone out there in like the Texas, you know, well, Texas is a big ass state, but like in Austin, the Austin area, 
keep that in mind. Yeah. Next, so, next you know, it's like that's how they can get bands yeah. in there to play is because they get these fucking younger bands and shit in there that are, you know, that these people are just trying to to make it, you know, and it's just like, oh, and they get these kids. You know, where it's just like, oh, well, you're pay. It, it's pay to play. It's the it's the oldest scam in the music business. It's pay to play is what it is. Yeah, that sucks, man. That's a, I didn't, yes. I didn't, obviously, I didn't know about any of these things, you know, and it's like, you know. And I, and I hope they've changed management and booking and all that shit since then. I mean, I, I don't know. But, you know, the last time I dealt with any of those people, it was just like, you know, this whole, like, ticket sales, what you don't sell. You know, your fans are going to come anyway. And it's just like, I'm like, you sell tickets. That's what you do. I show up and fucking play, you know. This is how this works. We have a guarantee. I've toured all over the fucking place. I'm, I'm not some fucking 18-year-old kid in his first band that just got out of the garage. Like, I know how this fucking business works. You just don't understand the music business. This is this this is common practice. And it's like, no, no, it's not. Like, you need to really kind of look into how this actually works and who you're working with because you just sound like a, a fucking dick wagon, you know? One, you're trying to insult me, telling me I don't understand the business. You know, and it's, it's like, you know, it's like this is this is a scam. It's pay to play. Nobody does that shit anymore. It's fucking shitty practice. So yeah, that's I don't deal man. with it. Yeah, it's, I, I've seen shows at the Lost Well, man. It's a cool spot. I like I like that place, man. I'm like hopefully... uh, Lost Well, Lost Well, fucking rules, dude. They're 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 just now. Their anniversary party is uh, in the beginning of August. And it's like fucking goat horse coming to play. Yeah, I saw that actually. I saw that today that they got a few dates announced, and that was one of the one of the gigs. That's awesome. Yeah, so I'm stoked for that. I love Lostwell, man. There's there's nothing better than that place. Yeah, I'm hoping to make it down there and play, man. Like I, I you know, if we ever come down there, just you know, if we're on our own or doing like a smaller, you know, like a not opening for somebody else that would, whose agent would put them in that other venue. Yeah, I'd love to play that spot. Like I've said, I've been to, been to a couple. I saw you guys play there, and I saw some other bands play there. A couple times I've been through town, and it's uh, it's pretty pretty nice spot, you know. Yeah, I love. I, like it. I can't I can't say enough about it. It's the best. Yeah. Well, dude, thanks for uh, you know hanging out, talking, and uh, you know everyone out there, be sure to check out Triage. And like I said, I'll I'll post some links on the Everything Went Black Facebook page. And, uh, yeah, I'm hoping to see you sooner than later, man. And hopefully we can all get through this. Oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen soon. (laughs) 